Good morning. Today is, uh, by many countries, is celebrated as Father's Day. It was mentioned earlier. Um, but it's interesting, uh, depending on the country that you're from, did you realize that Father's Day can be celebrated anytime from February up till December? So many, many different months. I didn't realize that. So we could uh, be taking dads out to dinner, you know, about nine months out of the year. Uh, of course, Mother's Day is probably, we could celebrate that 12 months out of the year, right? So, you know. Um, I became a father, literally, I became a father on Father's Day. I remember the delivery, uh, Judy, we're in the hospital there, and Judy said to me, says, you know, sorry, I, I, I didn't get you a card, uh, but here's a baby. So, <laughs> I said, honey, sweetheart, uh, you've been busy, that's okay. <laughs> uh, the next day, uh, I was having breakfast and on my way back to the hospital again, and all of a sudden, I started choking uh, on my scrambled eggs. Now, how do you choke on scrambled eggs? But it kind of hit me at that point that says, I'm a dad. And, uh, you know, this responsibility is kind of, kind of really hit me, uh, was sinking in. And then, you know, a few days later, we're leaving the hospital and uh, they give us, you know, this little baby here. And uh, this was, yeah, 20, yeah, 29 years ago, right? 29 years ago, our daughter was born. And at that time, they had car seats who were just coming out, but they didn't have the small size car seats. They had just the one size fits all. So we had this little, little baby here, and we're sticking it, and the head kind of goes off to the side, and you're trying to hold this. And I remember turning to the nurse, and I said, uh, you know, we're in the hospital. If you needed anything, you could press the button. The nurse come in, or the doctor asked a question. I said, okay, we're going to be on our own uh, going, going home here. I said, you know, does it come with an instruction manual in case, you know, something goes wrong? So and I remember the first night, uh, Judy and I kind of worked out uh, a system that, uh, you know, when the baby, uh, when Bethany woke up, that, uh, you know, I would run to her room or, you know, bring her back to nurse. And, right, you know, she started crying in the middle of the night. And I jumped out of bed so fast. Judy had never seen me run so fast before. You know, I, I leaped out and then, uh, you know, brought her there for, for uh, Bethany to nurse at that point. But it's kind of interesting, if, if, you, if you have more than one, one child, the first one, you try to do everything perfect, you know, just, just right. You know, it's kind of like if they have a pacifier, if they spit it out and it falls on the floor, you boil it, right? <laughs> Stick it in. By the second child, you kind of just rinse it off in the faucet. And the second one, you just kind of blow on it and you just stick it back on there, so... Um, well, I just want to share a few thoughts about, um, about being a dad kind of my journey and process here. In fact, we have a picture I'd like to show our family. And uh, you may recognize some of them there. Our oldest daughter is Bethany and her husband, Job. Uh, they're married and, and living in Chicago. Uh, next to them is Jason, uh, who came with us to Japan. Uh, he's finished his first year in college. Rebecca also came to China with us, and she's in graduate school in Pittsburgh. Um, Judy are at that stage as what they call empty nesters. And, but we are still learning uh, things about parenting, and we're still learning. I'm still learning about growing as a father here. And so I just wanted to share a few things. The word dad kind of evokes all types of images. You know, if I were to ask you, uh, 
what's a word that would describe your father, your dad? You know, what image word kind of comes to mind? And we, we speak at our, our family life marriage conferences here in China. Uh, we ask these questions during the dad's time. And the men just kind of call out. I'm not going to ask that here, but they kind of call out. And some of the things they share are things like, uh, you know, responsible, uh, hardworking, uh, good provider. But then other men will share things like, um, you know, absent, uh, angry, you know, possibly abusive. You know, the Bible gives us all types of examples uh, of dads. And I, I really appreciate that about the Bible because it's a very honest book because it shows the good and the bad and the ugly in terms of relationships. You know, I think of Abraham uh, when he became the father of Isaac. You know, he's 100 years old at that time. And, uh, you know, Abraham is known as a, a dad who honored God first uh, above his son. Eli, he was a father who honored his sons before God. And then there's tragic results after that. Uh, King Saul, uh, you know, he started out pretty well. But then he became an abusive father. And it's interesting that even after abusive father, how Jonathan turned out as a high man of character. Um, uh, David, a man after God's own heart. And yet his oldest son was trying to de uh, dethrone him. Uh, what about Joseph, the stepdad of Jesus? Could you imagine being the dad, you know, a stepdad of Jesus? I, I love the film, uh, The Nativity. You might have probably seen that before. And there's a line in there where Joseph kind of says, and they're on their way to, to Bethlehem, and he says to Mary, he says, you know, I wonder if I can teach him anything at all. Uh, so. Also, how about Paul? Paul did not have any sons, but Paul was a spiritual dad. I like the story of how he brought, uh, he discipled many people, but like especially Timothy. Timothy was a young man where his mother was a, a Jew and his mother was a Greek. And then Paul saw the potential in him and building into a spiritual heritage on him. Well, we're going to take a look at a few points here. And just, just uh, four points I'd like to share. You know, first of all, it's, there's a heritage that we've been given. We're born into a family. There's nothing that we can decide to do. Uh, some of us may have a family uh, where we've grown into a good family, a good heritage. Some of us may have grown into a, a heritage uh, maybe not as good, uh, a rough life and stuff. I'd like to take a look at uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter uh, 5 and 6 here. And so I don't have the references uh, all printed out, but I'm just going to go ahead and read those. This, uh, in Deuteronomy, it's kind of interesting. This is uh, Moses' last shot uh, speaking to Israel before they cross over into the promised land. Moses knows that he, he won't be able to go over um, into the promised land, so he's going to be in his last um, you know, teaching here and encouragement to them. And um, interesting, in verse uh, chapter 5, verse 9, Moses says here that you shall not worship them or serve them, for I, or he's referring to God here, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. You know, we, we pass on a kind of a heritage, and all of us under Adam, uh, we have uh, fallen in terms of the sinful race, but the thing, the point here is talking about, God is not talking about punishing you know, the children or the innocents, but there's a lot of things where the, the effects of decisions made in generations past have a continuing impact uh, in terms of where we're at here. So one of the things, we can't change where we come from. 
but we can impact and make the decisions about where we go uh, today. I grew up in a divided home. Uh, my mom was a believer. Uh, my dad was not a believer. Uh, he didn't want to have anything to do with Christianity. So I did not have an example of what a biblical man looked like growing up until I went to college. And, and going to college, um, I remember just doing a number of different types of things, seeking the fun party life, sports, academics, and stuff. And then uh, I remember seeing an advertisement on campus for a Christian group. And interesting, my, my motivation for going to that meeting was I had met a girl on staff uh, years previously, and she was quite attractive. So I thought, you know, I'd like to marry a good Christian girl someday, so there may be some more cute girls where she came from. So that was my motivation for going. Uh, no, it wasn't Judy. That was a different campus. Um, <laughs> not as cute as Judy. So okay, we're going to talk about that next week. So, But, um, but growing up, I remember um, uh, my dad had a, he had a very hard life. He lost his mom when he was three. Uh, his dad, my grandfather, was an alcoholic. They lost the farm. They lost the house. They lost everything. So there was a lot of issues built up in my dad's heart. And, and growing up in, in our, our family, uh, my dad, uh, I'm sure he didn't know how to handle or process the things and stuff. And so there was, there was always like this anger in our home growing up. And as kids, we just didn't want to step on and set dad off, you know, just try to keep things. And so um, in, in some ways, I kind of shut down emotionally, not being free to share, uh, express my emotions here. Um, the... Um, so the next part here in chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, is, you know, we can't change the heritage we've been given, but we have an opportunity to grow. Verse 6, or chapter 6, says, Now this is the commandments, the statutes and judgments, which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that it may be multiplied greatly, just as the Lord your God, your fathers, have promised you in the land of the flowing milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, uh, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You will be teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk to them while you sit down in your house, when you walk by them in the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. So we have an opportunity uh, to grow. Um, and uh, I just mentioned earlier, like uh, in college, that's when the spiritual transformation really began to take place in my life at that point. But after even many years of being a Christian, I've learned that, like the same thing in marriage, uh, in marriage there's no such thing as a PhD. Uh, you don't arrive, you are still growing. And the same, same thing in terms of our relationships with the Lord, we're always continuing to grow on that. Um, you may remember uh, Bruce Ekstrom, I think, who was here uh, doing some training. Uh, he, he spoke here. He's a, 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 a counselor. He was here a year earlier. And uh, at that time, uh, Judy and I were going through a training, um, just learning more and more about our issues, our past, uh, career path, a number of different types of things. 
And it's interesting that as Bruce was sharing out that, uh, you know, even after, you know, 50, 58 years old, I'm learning some new issues in my heart. And one of the things was, is the fact that because growing up in my home, because of, we didn't want to set dad off, light his fuse, so to speak, is, uh, so I kind of like, kind of withdrawn and sent, and Bruce kind of pointed out that, in a sense, I have kind of like a, a submerged heart where, you know, it's not free to share emotions and that affects connecting with other people. And so I remember, it was a year ago, it was two weeks before graduation of the schools, Jason was still here with us and Judy and I came back and it was like, you know, God was just opening our hearts in new ways and stuff and sharing those things. And I remember sitting down with Jason and just connecting with him. And we already have a, a great relationship, but we were able to even go deeper and connect and share things in my life that I never shared with him before uh, with that. So we have that opportunity to grow. And I like the different uh, things that we have available uh, here. Uh, you know, reference to Taco Tuesdays. Uh, uh, James is talking having the, the men start the Chinese version of, of men's fraternity. And I had, the, I had the pleasure to be a part of men's fraternity uh, at Robert Lewis's church in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas for a number of years. And uh, you know, I know Robert, and, and it's interesting that that material that Robert produced was the result of uh, kind of a, a absent dad in his life because no one really helped him prepare for life and so he ended up, that was the genesis of uh, men's fraternity in terms of developing that there. So as we grow, we can continue to give and a responsibility to, to prepare. Verse 7 uh, talks about them to, to diligently to teach your children. And this is not just the children. This is also for mentors. That's why I like, I included Paul in that illustration in the list of different, uh, of passing on that heritage. Because, you know, you may not be a father, uh, you may not have children, but maybe you have spiritual children that you're building into uh, a legacy on them as well. So, so God has given us a responsibility as a father or a spiritual mentor to, re to prepare his children for life. I like what Ralph shared last Sunday. He talked about how God has created us for a relationship. And in the context of that relationship, uh, in terms of uh, uh, how God, he, we want to have that approval of our Heavenly Father. And I think, you know, we stand before on that day of uh, judgment before Christ. We want to hear that well done and good and faithful servant. But in the meantime, we need that encouragement even now, uh, you know, from one another. Noticing how the Father uh, in that passage is uh, passing it on uh, to his sons. He's spending time together in a context of relationship. You know, by the row, when you sit down, it's just kind of life on life. And... Uh, when our kids were younger, um, I tried to have more special intentional dates with our kids. We'd take them out uh, you know, to McDonald's or a cookie store, different types of um, opportunities uh, to do with them. And because uh, I wanted to build that relationship. My dad did some things with me, but because of, he didn't know how to connect relationally, uh, you know, he was handicapped in some ways too uh, with that. So I wanted to be more intentional uh, with my kids in terms of spending time and building on them. In fact, I heard once, somebody once said that, that uh, rules without relationships will lead to rebellion. So as parents, we're always trying to teach and correct, but the relationship needs to be there as well as is in terms of, of teaching them. I remember uh, one of the things I did with Jason one time, uh, it was called Donuts for Dad, and his, his school would have muffins for mom, it was like before school started, and then donuts with dad, 
and this was when uh, we were uh, living uh, in Arkansas at that time. And uh, I had just come back from a trip uh, traveling and in our van, uh, you know, green Dodge Caravan uh, van that we were in, uh, Judy was there. Rebecca was still in high school. Jason was in elementary school. And so Rebecca's high school was right across the street from Jason's uh, elementary school. So we were kind of running late and uh, we pulled into the into the that. normally at school you would just drop the kids off on the circle uh, but in this case here we, we parked way out there because there's there a lot of cars so i come running in with jason and come to find out that donuts for dad is not today it's you know tomorrow you know so i got messed up on the time so that's okay so jason you know off to school he goes i come out judy you know we parked way out there it was really nice. She, she brought the van and drove up to kind of pick me up, kind of like valet, valet parking, so, which was real nice. So I get in, I open the door, and I get in, and I sit down, and I just started talking. I said, you know, Donuts for Dad is tomorrow. It's not today. My first warning, when I looked out of the seat, it was a different pattern in the car than ours. Identical car, make, model, even a blonde-haired lady. I turned and looked, and it was not Judy. <laughs> and so this strange man jumps in the car, says, donuts for days, not today, tomorrow. And she says, kind of like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> she's, she's letting out her son. Her son's eyes are real big, right? <laughs> you know, kind of like. And so you're in that situation, what do you do? Because I didn't look at her. I just started talking and, you know, expected to, you know, go on. He dropped off at work. So I said, you know, we have a car exactly like this one. And so I get out, and I, you know, I'm all embarrassed and stuff. Meanwhile, Rebecca is sitting with Judy uh, in our van with Judy, and she looks, Dad just got into a strange, in a car with a strange woman. <laughs> Judy said, nah, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. So then she sees me. I'm all embarrassed. So, but, you know, that's just part of life is, you know, we make mistakes being uh, real with our kids there and stuff. You know, as dads, um, if we have little girls... Um, that relationship, those little girls are looking for, you know, Daddy, am I pretty? Uh, you know, Judy uses this illustration. So I'm, I'm, one time, Bethany, if I'm not looking at her, I'm not communicating. And she was like two years old, and she turns my head, Daddy, look at me, you know, in terms of, you know, connecting there. But they're looking, it's like, Daddy, you know, am I pretty? That heart needs to be filled up with love and spending time and nourishing and stuff. Because, man, we are protectors of our, our daughters, because they grow up, because we know those little girls grow up to, to be young women, and then, then there's teenage boys who come around, and a lot of times they're not interested in just filling up the little girls' hearts and stuff, so men were type of protectors. Uh, there's a resource that uh, our group Family Life has, and uh, that resource is called Interviewing Your Daughter's Dates, just a little, little book, and uh, I started to read that and started to apply that. Now, um, our son-in-law, the picture that you saw earlier, we don't need to put that up. Job, Job, he's kind of a big guy. He's kind of uh, from Minnesota. And um, he came home from college, and him and Bethany have been dating, uh, you know, for a few months. And so he's a little nervous. He came during the Thanksgiving holidays, uh, during our time. And uh, uh, while we're there, uh, I said, okay, I read this book, and I was nervous, I said, but I want to interview him. I want to kind of find out what kind of man of character this is. Um, so this could be done at any age. It could be, you know, younger or whatever thing. So, um, so we did that. So the ladies went out to go shopping um, on uh, 
just after Thanksgiving and stuff, and then Job and I were watching a sports program, and then afterwards, uh, the house we have in Arkansas is out in the country, and so we were going to build a bonfire that, that night, and so uh, what we decided to do is, well, let's, let's go and prepare the wood. You know, like guys, when we sit down and talk, we want to do something together. We just don't want to just sit down and have tea, but we want to do something together. And so we're out there, and I didn't think about this, what I was doing, but I pick up, you know, a full-size axe, and I start splitting the wood. And I go, choo! And so, so what do you think about my daughter? <laughs> and poor Joe says, uh, I like her very much, Mr. Burroughs. <laughs> they didn't realize I was putting such fear into uh, his heart there. But then afterwards, you know, I put that down. We had kind of a conversation uh, with that. But it was the idea of that I want to, to care and you know, bringing up this little girl. And the neat thing about it was that on the day of walking Bethany down the aisle after uh, they had graduated, um, that day, that morning, she took me out to breakfast. And uh, so we had our time, father and son, before that. And uh, so um, also uh, there's different resources um, that... I learned to use. Uh, one is called uh, Passport to Purity. And actually, we do have one of these in the library. This is like a little project for a dad uh, with a son or a mother or daughter. And basically, how to teach uh, your kids about uh, the area of sexuality, peer pressure, these major decisions. It's designed like a little getaway. Uh, we checked this morning. It, it, someone must have it out right now, but there is one uh, in there that you can use. And so I took Jason away on a little weekend and that we had together, and um, there's different things that you can do. And the tape, we listen to the CDs and stuff, and it helps, helps dads who kind of like, how, how, or moms, how do you address these issues? Because these are important decisions and information that they need to know. And it's good to hear that from a loving uh, Christian perspective on that. So I remember... Uh, we, were, we were coming back. Jason wanted to go to an amusement park, and so for two days we rode roller coasters. And uh, we rode them again and again and again. I like roller coasters, but, you know, after a while, your stomach gets a little queasy. But I remember coming back, and Jason said to me, he says, you know, Dad, this has been the best weekend of my life. And, and we were able to talk about these issues, and we were able to continue to develop in those areas on that. Uh, another thing that uh, I wanted to do with Jason was uh, uh, there's a book also by Robert Lewis called uh, Raising a Modern Day Knight. And actually, this is from the library here. And this is uh, things that you can do in terms of how to raise a young man of character in terms of building, uh, building into them with that. And so there are different stages and different things that I did with Dave, uh, Jason in order to, to give him a, a vision of what it is to be a, a biblical uh, man and stuff. And so on his 18th birthday, I wanted to have a special celebration. So we were in China here at that time. We had a number of key men that knew Jason. In fact, what we did is um, we, uh, we surprised Jason by flying John Sorrell up secretly. And so this was last, uh, a year ago, last Christmas, so when John Sorrell came up. Because John had gone to Singapore, and John had a big impact in, in Jason's life, and Joe is, as well. So, um, so the funny thing was, it's kind of interesting, uh, Joe, or John, when he came in, he arrived, uh, like, after midnight, Jason had gone to bed, and so uh, 
The next morning, we have John come in, and he knocks on Jason's door. Says, hey, you want to Skype? You know, Jason's like, ooh, he's trying to wake up and stuff like that. So and I got a videotape, and we put it on YouTube and everything else on Facebook. So, but, uh, but we had a group of these men, and we went to the Brazilian barbecue, and uh, a place that guys like. We can eat all that meat, and uh, so we had a group. And then at the end of the dinner, we had each man share uh, some encouraging words uh, as Jason moves into the area of manhood and stuff. Then we came back to our place and we played uh, Allies and Axis, you know, war game and, and until late at night or so. But, but I had something that I wanted to give Jason, uh, like in the book refers to a token to give to them to remind them of the stage in life. And I was thinking about passing it on and uh, I remember from my track days, in terms of when you're running a relay, you know, you're, you're passing on that baton, and you can have the fastest men running each segment in the relay, but if you don't hand that off correctly, you know, you're going to end up losing the race. And so I thought, okay, we'll do that. And uh, I started researching, and uh, I, I got a relay baton, the exact size, made out of solid brass. It had a solid brass, I had his name inscribed on it, and then the two passages, the Deuteronomy passages that I read, and also 2 Timothy uh, 2, verses 1 through, through 2, and inscribed that on there for him. And then I gave that to Jason, and I put it in kind of like a little antique wine box, you open it up, and there's the baton and stuff. Of course, when he goes through sec airport security, they always stop him and check baggage, because they see this thing x-rayed it's just black the x-rays can't penetrate it so they wonder if it's c4 or something i don't know but um, with that so he has that with him with his college his refining because i told jason okay i'm passing this on to you and i want you to pass this on uh, to other men as well um, neil postman said uh, he says children are the living messages that we send to a time that we will not see so i want to close with a little story here, and then we'll close with prayer. And I'll make sure we get people out on time because uh, we're going on that the last bus that leaves here. So, this is called a father, a son, and a three-mile run. In his book, A Father, a Son, and a Three-Mile Run, uh, Kenneth Lindhouse tells of a moving story about a father who got to watch his son play the game of his life. The son was an Ivy League football player who was short on talent but long on dedication. He rarely played, but he never missed a practice. The player's coach was impressed with his devotion to his father. He often saw them walking arm in arm through the campus. Just one of the biggest games of the year, uh, just before the, one of the biggest games of the year, uh, the player's father died. So the coach was surprised when the player asked if he could start the next game. The coach kind of hesitated, knowing the player could make a crucial mistake that could destroy the team's chances to win but he finally consented. So here, here's where the, the, uh, the story picks up. And the coach says, oh no. The coach groaned during the opening kickoff and as the ball kind of flew down and it right into Jerry's arms. But instead of, of dropping the ball, as the coach had expected, Jerry hugged the ball tightly. He dodged three onrushing defenders, raced to the midfield before, before he was finally brought down and tackled. The coach had never seen Jerry run with such agility, power, Perhaps sensing something, he had called into the quarterback to call Jerry's signal for him to run another play. The quarterback handed off, and Jerry responded by breaking tackles and for another 20-yard gain. A few plays later, uh, he carried the ball over to the goal line. The opposite team 
who were favored to win this game, they were stunned. They said, who is this kid? Uh, he didn't even show up in the scattering reports. For up to that time, Jerry had only played three minutes all season uh, um, um, on the team there. So, so the coach left Jerry in. He played the entire first half, both offense and defensive. Tackling, intercepting, knocking down, passes, blocking, running, he did it all. During the second half, uh, Jerry continued to inspire the team. When the final gun sounded, the team had won. While in the locker room, you know, Bedlam reserved for only the teams who had fought the impossible fight and triumph. The coach sought Jerry out and found him sitting quietly, head in his hands, far in the corner. Coach said, son, what happened to you out there? As he put his arm around him, he says, you can't play that well. You're not that fast. You're not that strong. You're not skilled. What happened? Well, Jerry looked up to the coach and he said softly, you see, coach, my father was blind. And this was the first game he ever saw. I want to close by praying for, uh, for the men here. And so I'd like to have all the men stand up right now. Now, some of you may be dads. Some of you may be spiritual dads. Uh, uh, maybe you'll be some dad someday. But I want to pray uh, for each of the men here. I know this is Father's Day, but as men... Um, one of our jobs is passing on that spiritual heritage, either to our own kids or the next generation or maybe the different <clears throat> opportunities in your work. And so I'd like to pray for, for each of us, and then we'll close here. Heavenly Father, thank you that we have the example of, of calling you Father. You are the perfect Father, and that you have made an impact in each one of our lives. I want to pray for each of the men here, each of my brothers to can you give them wisdom and grace and how to lead either their own families or mentoring other people, uh, the impact that they have. There's such confusion nowadays in terms of what it is to be a man, what it is to be a leader. But I pray that you would empower each of them uh, with your grace and, and your knowledge. Thank you for the impact uh, for this church that's having as even Manuel and Tracy were talking about the impact that they had on their lives. And that story has multiplied many times over. I pray that you would continue to impact um, through the leadership, through the men here, as well as the ladies too, but especially the men representing on this day. And we pray this in Jesus' name.